listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast by Dr. T. Michael W. Halcom, Dr. Frederick J. Long, Dr. Mario Melendez, Dr. Jennifer Noonan, and J. M. Smith. Welcome and enjoy. Hello, welcome to Proof Text. I am Michael Halcom, and I'm here with Dr. Frederick J. Long. Fred, how are you? Hey, pretty good. Thank you. Um, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm hanging in there. Um, it's been a rough few weeks for me health-wise, uh, but I feel like I'm kind of coming out uh, on the other side of it a little bit healthier now. And uh, yeah, still got a lingering cough, which is annoying, but doing yeah. all right. Um, yeah, we're in our here in Hawaii. We're in our our rainy season, kind of. Um, although this week hasn't been too rainy, it's kind of cooler about around 70 and mm-hmm. uh, yeah everybody's wearing sweaters and sweatshirts and all that sort of thing so uh yeah, it's yeah. turned cold turned cold here um getting down below freezing at night some snow flurries so yeah well it's that time of year you know it's uh end of december yeah. beginning of january i guess we're in christmas tide yep yeah yep yeah what is it the fifth day of christmas today when we're recording this i believe yeah yeah i think so fifth day of christmas so i can't remember what the true love brought on the fifth day of christmas um five golden rings i guess is that right i don't know yeah i think it's five i've never never received five golden rings i don't know what that's like you know the song though right the 12 days of christmas yeah yeah, but wow. I haven't memorized five, it like you. Five golden rings. It's like the only one I remember. Um, huh. <clears throat> yeah, anyways, so uh, I, I think I was probably in my, until my late 30s, I didn't realize the 12 days of Christmas started on Christmas. I always thought they led up 12 days leading up to Christmas. Yes, I know. So up until I became familiar with the liturgical calendar that I, uh, learned that no day one yeah. starts on Christmas. So yeah, anyways, day five is leading to leading to Epiphany, right? Which is January sixth, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the is it the Greek Orthodox Church believes celebrates Christmas then? I believe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, it's I interesting. In Ethiopia, yeah. we'll do that. Yeah. So, well, we haven't we haven't met for a little while to do some of these proof text episodes and we're on Galatians and we uh we're in chapter six and we're making our way down the home stretch. I think today we have in view three verses, which we I don't know if we've ever done that, but uh one of them's really short and um we'll take Galatians four and mm-hmm. five six four and five together and then six six on its own as well. So um yeah, I guess we should get to reading and you know, see where things go. Um I'm gonna go ahead and pull the Greek text up here on the screen for those watching. If you don't have uh if you're not watching and just listening, that's fine too. You'll still be able to hear the text. I'll read it in Greek and then we'll discuss it. So here's Galatians six, four and five. To the ergon ev tu dokimazeto Ekastos. I always want to say eskatos when I see that 
Man, so um, a couple of these words kind of tripped me, I guess. Maybe because I'm not as familiar, like fortion. I kind of just want to say fotion, uh, but fortion uh, kind of got me a little bit. Bastas. I noticed we did have a lot of epsilon stuff going on. Ergon, tu ekastos, is, erton, exi, is, eteron. Ekastos again. There's lots of Epsilon stuff going on there uh, in the verse. But <clears throat> yeah, uh, what are you seeing? Yeah, well, um, I'm I'm looking at the discourse context. Um, we're so we're looking at four, five, and six right now. In verse seven, there's a shift to second person plural. But in these verses, we're seeing third singular, and we're seeing it's a good time to practice our um, the third singular imperative form, which seems kind of weird. Mm-hmm. We normally think of imperatives as second person, but to have them as third person is a little bit weird. And then verse three uses this indefinite construction, like if someone thinks himself to be something while being nothing he is uh, deceived in his thinking. So it's kind of interesting. So these verses really do go together, four, five, and six. They focused on ekastos, uh, each one, each one. So he's really kind of talking about like our own kind of like uh, responsibility. And like we kind of are responsible for ourselves. So and I think that's consistent with the de. So it's kind of interesting that four, four verse four has a de, so a distinctive development. Moreover, um, let each one discern or test and approve his own work. And then he will have a boast in himself alone, only, and not in another four so that's verse four so then verse five begins with a gar so for each one will bear uh will bear his own load for each one will bear his own load yeah uh moreover so verse six the one having yeah the one the one um, sharing the word, or the one kat ekumenos, oh, being instructed the word, let him share with the one instructing in all good things, in all good things. So interesting. Yeah, so four, five, and six there. Um, I guess we're doing verse six a little bit later. Uh, did you read that yeah. one yet? Yeah. So it's interesting um, 
that yeah. the NIV is insisting. So I have that pulled up here. All right. So if you go back to three, if anyone, so you have the doki igar dokitis. Uh, if anyone thinks, right, and then they they switch to they deceive themselves. Um, yeah. When in fact it's a third singular, he deceives himself. Yeah. So they translate it. They deceive themselves. They make it plural, right? Uh, yeah, and then, they're trying to deal with gender pronoun issue. Then, then as you follow, as you keep going, they do the same thing. Each one should test his own actions, and then that one. But they say then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves. But it's not plural anywhere that I see. Yeah, yeah, that's good to observe that they're they're really struggling with this contemporary issue of of pronoun, how to be inclusive yeah. and genderless in the pronoun. <laughs> so they're avoiding avoiding the he and she, he, the you know the he to making it a they. Of course, um, in verse three, you have the indefinite pronoun. Um, you know, you can use anyone or someone, but then they have to right. switch to the they. So that's why they're doing it. And then each one obviously is singular, but then they, they move it to the their own actions. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So I see a lot of um, individual responsibility in a sense, like each person has responsibility. Um, and and it's clear that people are supposed to be testing their own self in a sense their own work and and then on that basis they will have something to be proud of to have some kind of boast and it kind of seems weird that that we could think of of having a boast but actually there can be a positive basis of boasting I was generally taught that boasting is bad, but you can you can do a word study in Paul, and there are there are grounds for legitimate boasting. Uh, you can boast in 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 others' achievements. Uh, now Paul will argue that in Second Corinthians, like in terms of being proud of somebody, you know. But here he's he's he wants to avoid that, so it's interesting that. At this point in his writing and discipleship of the Galatians, is that um, there's a situation where people are trying to take pride in other person's uh, social performance or religious performance, and so people are trying to circumcise or have people circumcised or conform or come under the law in a way that they can be proud of. And Paul says, "No, you know, he's really being preemptive here, just." Pay attention to your own activity, your own work, and and test and approve that. Dokimazo is a really important word of like testing the quality but, but or worth some of something. Here, uh, with, it involves a discernment six, and, a, and, a, and an evaluation. And so he's he basically says evaluate yourself, and then you will have a, a boast only in oneself and not in another. So he's trying to take the attention away from uh, others in terms of 
somehow gaining social status via others and 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 their performance, which really does make sense because I mean I've been listening to Marcus Aurelius and uh, Seneca Epictetus, you know if you're if you're putting any kind of worth or value in what other people do, you can't control that. <laughs> it's not a it's not a, a basis for that um, right now. Now Paul will talk about you know having a boast or presenting each other before the Lord and being proud of that work. So it's interesting. I'm just trying to correlate what Paul is saying here because I see that elsewhere in his writings he does talk about having a favorable esteem of and even co-boasting in each other in a sense. I suppose that well, would be uh, in kind of like a mutual, a mutual environment right, where there's mutuality and mutual support and helping each other get to be to Christ. But here he's he's really distancing from that kind of thing. It's interesting to see. Well, I, I think there's a inherent tension between Galatians 6.2 and Galatians 6.5. Right? Galatians 6.2, he says, carry each other's burdens. In this way, yeah. you fulfill the law of Christ. And then in 6.5, each one should carry their own burden. <laughs> so it, it's like, yeah. okay, which is it? Is it carry each other's burdens? You know, or vastazete? Or is it vastasi? You know, uh, yeah. you carry your own burden. Which one is yeah. it? And how to how to make sense of those seemingly contradictory statements i think there there's some mm -hmm. just inherent tension here i i was yeah. i believe in our previous episode when we were talking i was suggesting uh the idea that this is a financial he he's speaking financially here um and uh, that uh, you know i'm not the first to make that argument but um, that when he's talking about burdens, that he may be talking about financial burdens. So uh, carry each other's financial burdens, and this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Uh, yet then he says each one should carry their own financial burden. Um, so, yeah, I, I think one way to maybe make sense of some of that is just by looking at the the sort of honor, shame, and patronage uh ideas running throughout the culture patronage being right where you have a you have um a patron and then clients and uh so if i'm a patron i i have clients beneath me and part of what they do is work for me but also uh work in such a way that it bolsters my honor um and um and prevents me from having shame so that if perhaps um if we view one another if we all have the same patron then we're all working toward the same goal of carrying each other's burdens to honor god um but within that i'm also doing my own individual job of carrying my own burden so maybe that's one way to make sense of it but i'm not sure yeah. yeah. Okay. So what's going on is so the same verb is used, bastadzo. So I think one way that I right. I would begin to distinguish those is 
the, the object of the two. So in verse two, it's tabara bare, uh, bare, yeah. which is um, it's an it's a uh, it's to baros, baros, which mm-hmm. is particularly it says something particularly oppressive or burdensome. It has a broader kind of usage, I believe. Um, whereas in verse four or five, fortion is um, is used in the gospel tradition of the oppressive burden of the law. So that's interesting mm. to me because um, Jesus says, you know, I, my yoke is easy and, and light. Um, and then in Matthew 23, 4, uh, Jesus says they tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, uh, but they are unwilling themselves to move them with a finger. Um, so I'm wondering if verse four and five, notice that they, it's its own de. So that's this distinctive development and five is supporting four and boasting. I think we're talking about boasting in the law and the work of the law kind of things, which are, which are burdensome, which are, can be un, uh, can be burdensome. So in verse five, each one will carry his own law burden, whatever that might be. So whatever someone wants to choose to do, that's up to them. And here I'm, I guess I'm thinking of like Sabbaths, uh, festivals, perhaps, uh, food laws. Um, in Romans, for example, Paul says, you know, one person holds these as special, one not, you know, one person avoids meat, others not, whatever. So I, I, and and he says, that's okay. Just don't judge each other on that basis. So I'm suspicious that this direct object, the difference between tabare and uh, to idion fortion, that the, the fortion verse five is like a law kind of like what one decides to do with these kinds of issues, which are controversial. Like that's up for you to decide what to do. It's interesting because um, if that's the case, we're actually going to see as Paul writes his letters, he like always, he often have to, has to help people negotiate these kinds of things. We see it in Corinthians a little bit. We see it even more in Romans. Um, so that'd be my way of approaching it. Does that so make we sense? Two different, yeah, we have two different interpretations here. Yours is the idea that he's talking about, um, you know, individual burdens of things, something that's important to me. Yeah. Something that's important to the individual uh, of as far as the law goes, which might not be as important to the next individual. Yeah. Um, but each one should deal with that accordingly. I still think there's something financial going on here. Mm. And I think even six lends itself to that. So we have a, a competing interpretations going. Um, yeah. In, yeah. in verse six, let, let's read that. So it's, Kinonito de o catechumenos ton logonto catechundi in passing agathius. You translated that earlier. He's talking about the the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. 
And I, I wonder if this has to do with that idea of, of a teacher, you know, being worthy of their wage. And so again, it's got a financial yeah. Yeah. sense to it and that there may yeah. have been some, some debate going on about this, um, whether Paul should be receiving any funding and uh, maybe he's giving a, a sort of mini apologetic or defense here that he is worthy <laughs> of being yeah. financially supported and that the people who benefit from his yeah. teaching should share all good things, even finances. Um, so that's my understanding. Yeah, I um, I think that there is something here. I mean, if we're in the realm of teachers, I mean, he basically appeals to fulfill the law of Christ. So Christ is the head teacher, verse two, and then he calls out someone of thinking that they're self-important, who -hmm. thinks himself to be something, and that harkens back to earlier. Right, the one seeming to be yeah. important or seeming exactly. to be something. So yes. it's interesting the reverberations of these verses to the yeah. Jesus tradition, kind of uh, making that preeminent and and bearing each other's burdens, not thinking too highly of oneself like some reputed people. Hint, hint. Back to chapter two, and then verse four and five kind of putting it back in the realm of, well, each one has to work these things out, um, their work, you know, and, and, and do this themselves. Regardless, though, uh, the t- if there's a teacher involved, you should share. You should share with them those who are taught. Yeah, I do think that there's a financial, I think six is clearly financial. Um, I remember... I think I remember talking with this, working this through this with Luke Post, who is was one of my uh, doctoral <laughs> students, and he was looking at the good in Paul and how to interpret the concept of the good here and whether there's a financial basis to these verses, because uh, he was looking at it. And I, I remember talking with him. I can't remember what he concluded in the context. But yeah, I think that's, I think verse six is clearly financial um yeah and and yeah. this idea of being a burden too it, it comes up in second corinthians um and and paul says you know i hope i'm not a burden to you i wasn't trying to be a burden to you uh when he says yeah. look i should have received some things some help from you but i don't want to be a burden so we're, we we mm. that word burden verse two is is a cognate with words that are being used in um Second Corinthians to weigh you down. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul was weighed down to the point of death. Second uh, Corinthians one eight. Mm-hmm. Um, being weighed down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he says, "I hope I wasn't a burden to you." Yeah. So Second Corinthians twelve sixteen. But be that as may, I did not burden you myself. Um, nevertheless, crafty fellow that I am, he says, I took you by deceit. He's, he's responding to charges there of taking money from the collection, um, money efforts. But anyway, this, this word burden is caught up in his conversations with the Corinthians about money. So that's interesting. Yeah. 
I love the well, fact that verse six, the kata kao, um, from where we get kate- katechesis. Katechesis yeah. comes from this verb. Um, it's a cognate mm. of katekepo. So the one being instructed, catechized in the word to the one doing the catechesis. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I'm still stuck back on verse one, too, what it looks like to restore a person gently if they're caught in sin um, so that you yourself, I know we've talked about this, but so that you yourself, uh, you know, aren't mm-hmm. also falling into temptation when you yeah. when you restore them. Yeah, humbly. I, I just think that I'm just reminded that, you know, if you see a, a speck in your brother's eye, Jesus says, right, be careful that you don't have a plank in your own. There's mm-hmm. a lot of insight there that, that people have, we have big blind spots. And that we're yeah. often deflecting or projecting <laughs> what's going on in our own lives. So there's a real temptation there, I think. Um, yeah. So this humility, I think, is 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 really important and protecting yourself that you're not also tempted with pride. Uh, there, there might even be spiritual beings you know, the evil one and his minions might really attach to that kind of hubris and pride. I mean, they they may even be allowed to chastise God's people over that kind of thing. So we could be opening ourselves up to uh, kind of attacks of certain sorts. Um, mm-hmm. I don't understand what all goes on in the, the heavenly realms, but um, there could be, you know, vulnerabilities there um yeah it it is important though to restore to seek to restore and and the idea that there is need to restore which is repeatedly found for example as is looking at the end of james if anyone strays from the truth uh and one turns him back let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and re- will cover a multitude of sins i mean that's how james ends I mean, that's what a way to end. Um, mm. well, there's also the ending of Jude, which talks about um, uh, saving someone out of things. Um, uh, have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. So that again, that's towards the end of Jude is this concern to have mercy <laughs> and to help and to save and snatch, but then be careful of the pollution that can happen with that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, um, yeah, I think we did did uh, had fun fun looking at these verses. I'm intrigued by the present yeah. tenseness of these imperatives. This is something we're supposed to be doing repeatedly. Um, yeah, so. Well, you got a parting shot? I do. Uh, Rebecca Pippert, she wrote Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World. She came and spoke to our faculty last semester. It was great. Sadly, we mm. didn't get recording of it, but it was phenomenal. So she says, whatever controls us is our Lord. 
The person who seeks power is controlled by power. The person who seeks acceptance is controlled by acceptance. And uh, we do not control ourselves. So that's mm. the end of her quote. Meaning, you know, we're right. under the, a different lordship. We're under the right. law of Christ. Yeah. Mm, nice. Carry on. Well, uh, we'll stop there. Thanks for your time, Fred. And uh, thank you all for watching. Uh, if you would, hit the like button and the uh, subscribe button. More importantly, hit the uh, share button. We appreciate all your support. Podcast is still growing. And um, we're thankful for everyone who listens and watches and supports Proof Text. If you want to get in touch with us, just go to glosshouse.com. You can do that. And um, uh, we'd love to hear from you. All right. We'll stop there and say we hope that helps. Interested in growing your ancient language skills but not sure where to start? Glow's House can help. From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, Glow's House offers a variety of resources for beginning, intermediate, and experienced ancient language learners. Head to glow'sahouse.com today. Glow's House, language resources for the global community.